Chapter 20, Part 1 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollection of P.T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Struggles and Triumphs of P.T. Barnum, Chapter 20, Incidents of the Tour, Part 1. Soon after arriving in Havana, I discovered that a strong prejudice existed against our musical enterprise. I might rather say that the habaneros, not accustomed to the high figure which tickets had commanded in the States, were determined on forcing me to adopt their opera prices, whereas I paid $1,000 per night for the Tacon Opera House, and other expenses being in proportion, I was determined to receive remunerating prices or give no concerts. This determination on my part annoyed the habaneros, who did not wish to be thought penurious, though they really were so. Their principal spite, therefore, was against me, and one of their papers politely termed me a Yankee pirate, who cared for nothing except their doubloons. They attended the concert, but were determined to show the great songstress no favor. I perfectly understood this feeling in advance, but studiously kept all knowledge of it from Miss Lynde. I went to the first concert, therefore, with some misgivings in regard to her reception. The following, which I copy from the Havana correspondence of the New York Tribune, gives a correct account of it. Jenny Lynde soon appeared, led on by Signor Belletti. Some three or four hundred persons clapped their hands at her appearance, but this token of approbation was instantly silenced by at least two thousand five hundred decided hisses thus having settled the matter that there should be no forestalling of public opinion and that if applause was given to jenny lind in that house it should first be incontestably earned the most solemn silence prevailed i have heard the swedish nightingale often in europe as well as in america and have ever noticed a distinct tremulousness attending her first appearance in any city indeed this feeling was plainly manifested in her countenance as she neared the footlights but when she witnessed the kind of reception in store for her so different from anything she had reason to expect her countenance changed in an instant to a haughty self-possession her eye flashed defiance and becoming immovable as a statue she stood there perfectly calm and beautiful she was satisfied that she now had an ordeal to pass and a victory to gain worthy of her powers in a moment her eye scanned the immense audience the music began and then followed how can i describe it such heavenly strains as i verily believe mortal never breathed except jenny lynn and mortal never heard except from her lips some of the oldest castilians kept a frown upon their brow and a curling sneer upon their lips their ladies however and most of the audience began to look surprised. The gushing melody flowed on, increasing in beauty and glory. The caballeros, the senoras, and senoritas began to look at each other. Nearly all, however, kept their teeth clenched and their lips closed, evidently determined to resist to the last. The torrent flowed deeper and faster. The lark flew higher and higher. The melody grew richer and grander. Still every lip was compressed. By and by, as the rich notes came dashing in rivers upon our enraptured ears, one poor critic involuntarily whispered a brava. 
his outbursting of the soul was instantly hissed down the stream of harmony rolled on till at the close it made a clean sweep of every obstacle and carried all before it not a vestige of opposition remained but such a tremendous shout of applause as went up i never before heard the triumph was most complete and how was jenny lynn affected she who stood a few moments previously like adamant now trembled like a reed in the wind before the storm of enthusiasm which her own simple notes had produced tremblingly slowly and almost bowing her face to the ground she withdrew the roar and applause of victory increased encore 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 came from every lip she again appeared and curtsying low again withdrew but again again and again did they call her out and at every appearance the thunders of applause rang louder and louder thus five times was jenny lynn called out to receive their unanimous and deafening plaudits i cannot express what my feelings were as i watched this scene from the dress circle poor jenny i deeply sympathized with her when i heard the first hiss i indeed observed the resolute bearing which she assumed but was apprehensive of the result when i witnessed her triumph i could not restrain the tears of joy that rolled down my cheek and rushing through a private box i reached the stage just as she was withdrawing after the fifth encore god bless you jenny you have settled them i exclaimed are you satisfied said she throwing her arms around my neck she too was crying with joy and never before did she look so beautiful in my eyes as on that evening one of the havana papers notwithstanding the great triumph continued to cry out for low prices this induced many to absent themselves expecting soon to see a reduction it had been understood that we would give twelve concerts in havana but when they saw after the fourth concert which was devoted to charity that no more were announced they became uneasy committees waited upon us requesting more concerts but we peremptorily declined some of the leading dons among whom was count penalva then offered to guarantee us twenty five thousand dollars for three concerts my reply was that there was not money enough on the island of cuba to induce me to consent to it that settled the matter and gave us a pleasant opportunity for recreation we visited by invitation mr brinkerhoff the eminent american merchant at matanzas whom i had met at the same place three years previously and who subsequently have visited my family in connecticut the gentlemanly host did everything in his power to render our stay agreeable and miss lynn was so delighted with his attentions and the interesting details of sugar and coffee plantation which we visited through his kindness that as soon as she returned to havana she sent on the same tour of pleasure mr benedict who had been prevented by illness from accompanying us i found my little italian plate dancer vivaya in havana he called on me frequently he was in great distress having lost the use of his limbs on the left side of his body by paralysis he was thus unable to earn a livelihood although he still kept a performing dog which turned a spinning wheel and performed some curious tricks one day as i was passing him out of the front gate miss lynn inquired who he was i briefly recounted to her his history she expressed deep interest in his case 
and said something should be set apart for him in the benefit which she was about to give for charity. Accordingly, when the benefit came off, Miss Lind appropriated $500 to him, and I made the necessary arrangements for his return to his friends in Italy. At the same benefit, $4,000 were distributed between two hospitals and a convent. A few mornings after the benefit, our bell was rung, and the servant announced that I was wanted. I went to the door and found a large procession of children, neatly dressed and bearing banners, attended by ten or twelve priests, arrayed in their rich and flowing robes. I inquired their business and was informed that they had come to see Miss Lynn to thank her in person for her benevolence. I took their message and informed Miss Lynn that the leading priests of the convent had come in great state to see and thank her. I will not see them, she replied. They have nothing to thank me for. If I have done good, it is no more than my duty, and it is my pleasure. I do not deserve their thanks, and I will not see them. I returned her answer, and the leaders of the grand procession went away in disappointment. The same day, Vivalia called, and brought her a basket of the most luscious fruit that he could procure. The little fellow was very happy and extremely grateful. Miss Lynn had gone out for a ride. God bless her. I am so happy she is such a good lady. I shall see my brothers and sisters again. Oh, she is a very good lady, said poor Vivalia, overcome by his feelings. He begged me to thank her for him and give her the fruit. As he was passing out of the door, he hesitated a moment and then said, Mr. Barnum, I should like so very much to have the good lady see my dog turn a wheel. It is very nice. He can spin very good. Shall I bring the dog and wheel for her? She is such a good lady. I wish to please her very much. I smiled and told him she would not care for the dog, that he was quite welcome to the money, and that she refused to see the priest from the convent that morning because she never received thanks for favors. When Jenny came in, I gave her the fruit and laughingly told her that Vivalia wished to show her how his performing dog could turn a spinning wheel. Poor man, poor man, do let him come. It is all the good creature can do for me, exclaimed Jenny, and the tears flowed thick and fast down her cheeks. I like that, I like that, she continued. Do let the poor creature come out and bring his dog. It will make him so happy. I confess it made me happy, and I exclaimed, for my heart was full, God bless you, it will make him cry for joy. He shall come to-morrow. I saw Vivalia the same evening, and delighted him with the intelligence that Jenny would see his dog perform the next day, at four o'clock precisely. I will be punctual, said Vivalia, in a voice trembling with emotion, but I was sure she would like to see my dog perform. For full half an hour before the time appointed did Jenny Lynn sit in her window on the second floor and watch for Vivalia and his dog. A few minutes before the appointed hour she saw him coming. "'Ah, here he comes, here he comes!' she exclaimed in delight as she ran downstairs and opened the door to admit him. A negro boy was bringing the small spinning wheel, while Vivalia led the dog. Handing the boy a silver coin, she motioned him away, and taking the wheel in her arms, she said, "'This is very kind of you to come with your dog. Follow me. I will carry the wheel upstairs.' Her servant offered to take the wheel, but no, she would let no one carry it but herself.' 
she called us all up to her parlor and for one full hour did she devote herself to the happy italian she went down on her knees to pet the dog and to ask Vivalia all sorts of questions about his performances his former course of life his friends in italy and his present hopes and determinations then she sang and played for him gave him some refreshments finally insisted on carrying his wheel to the door and her servant accompanied vivalia to his boarding-house poor vivalia he was probably never so happy before but his enjoyment did not exceed that of miss lynde that scene alone would have paid me for all of my labors during the entire musical campaign a few months later however the havana correspondent of the new york herald announced the death of vivalia and stated that the poor italian's last words were about jenny lynde and mr barnum when captain rawlings of the steamer isabella made his next return trip from charleston he brought a fine lot of game and invited messrs benedict belletti and myself to a breakfast on board where we met mr john howard of the irving house new york mr j b Minot of the new york hotel mr mixer of the charleston hotel and mr monroe of one of the havana hotels the breakfast was a very nice one and was accompanied by some very fine old madeira which received the highest encomiums of the company now said captain rawlings you must break your rule once mr barnum and wash down your game with a glass or two of this choice madeira it is very old and fine as smooth as oil and the game is hardly game without it do take some i positively declined saying i did not doubt that he had the genuine article for once but that most of what was offered and sold as wine did not contain a single drop of the juice of the grape this led to a general talk about the impositions practiced even in the best hotels in serving customers with fine old wines and liqueurs at the bar and at the table and some very curious and amusing stories were told and confessions made but there could be no mistake about this madeira it was rich rare old oily and genuine in flavor and quality all the connoisseurs at the table were unanimous in their verdict but when the breakfast was over and we were going ashore as i was sitting next the captain in his own boat he said to me barnum that fine old madeira is the real game of my game breakfast i wanted to test those experienced tasters and i gave them some wine which i bought for a dollar and a half a gallon at a corner grocery in charleston end of chapter twenty part one recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona